Welcome to Conversations with MIT Health. I'm Melanie Cole. When you're on campus, the stress level can run so high. Here to tell us about cultural differences in stress management is my guest, Dr. Shaolo Shi. She's a psychologist at MIT Student Mental Health and Counseling Services. Dr. Shi, you've been known to say that stress is normal and natural and not necessarily bad. Can you explain that for us? Oh, absolutely. This is actually one of the things that many of us either don't remember or don't know because we're raised to know stress as something really bad. People don't remember stress, which is becoming alert um, and you're and alarmed about some changes or something difficult or challenging is actually very adaptive and evolutionarily necessary. I often compare this to the sensation of pain because if we can't feel pain, frankly, our species would not have existed because we would have died of minor injury. So if we cannot be scared, uh, we probably would be eaten up a long time ago. So stress as alarm signal is actually very, very important. So that's why I want people to remember before they want to learn how to manage the stress, that stress is actually very adaptive. It's a very useful tool. We just have to learn how to use it. We certainly do. What a great explanation, Dr. Shi. So women deal with stress differently than men. And children deal with stress differently than adults. Tell us a little bit about the cultural differences in managing stress. Yes, many cultures, like they, how they handle many different things, they have different um, values or attitudes and towards a certain kind in life experiences. Although I have to say, if you take the names off, a lot of people can claim to say, "Yeah, we do that too." Um, but one of the things I want to emphasize, I want to point it out is. Uh, in, indeed, in a lot of cultures, uh, particularly mine, I'm Chinese, um, that we place such a value on being stoic, meaning that you need, need to be very strong. So the signs of maturity sometimes, not sometimes, actually in Chinese culture anyway, is understood to be very stoic, that you do not um, experience emotional reactions to difficult things. You just handle them. And if you can't actually suppress the reaction, you're supposed to kind of hide it at least. And of course, you know, God only made us human, uh, whichever culture we're from. So we are made human by God knows what. And so inevitably we would have reactions and we can hide. And then sometimes we experience them as an emotional expression. Sometimes we experience them as a physical sensation. So in this sense, the emphasis placed on being stoic of not either experiencing the emotions or not showing them can be counterproductive. That is so interesting. As someone who's Jewish, we were taught to let our stress out and yell and scream and get it out, which I don't know that that's necessarily any better. Certainly, we all have our different ways of dealing with it, as you said. Are there some unique ways that you've seen that stress manifests itself in MIT students specifically? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for instance, sleep is one of the uh, difficulties. People, you know, the students may not say, I can't sleep. They, 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 they just say, oh, I go to bed very late. Sometimes you look at the schedule and say, wait, your, your pieces are done. Why are you still off? But a lot of times the anxiety keeps them off. And certainly people stress eat, uh, and people sometimes stress exercise, although exercise can be quite helpful. 
Um, and sometimes people take on so many things. Uh, so they are so exhausted, they cannot feel the sort of the psychological, the emotional distress of feeling anxious, feeling inadequate, of being scared or feeling sad or being homesick. So these are often the things that they do. They find ways to either push, you know, the stress quite far out of the side or they're simply too exhausted to feel anything. It's not uncommon the student will come to counseling and after a few sessions and say, you know, I fixed this out. I just have to be, you know, I just have to keep busy. Now I'm taking seven classes. I'm okay. Uh, unfortunately, they, they come back in very different ways. You know, they, if they don't come to us, which is on the third floor, they go to the urgent care, which is on the first floor. So our stress has to go somewhere, has to be expressed somewhere. So if it's not in the heart or in the head, it's going to be in the body. So, you know, this is there's a model we call in, 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 in psychiatry and in clinical psychology, we call them biopsychosocial model, means our being is made of biology, of psychology, and environmental factors. So this is how our stress will be expressed one way or the other. What a great description. So tell us some of your best advice for self-help techniques for managing that stress. What do you recommend for students? You know, it's funny because probably most people would expect me to say, oh, if you're stressed out, go to talk to mental health people. I love the MIT students. I always think they're the best of this university. And of course, we would love to work with them. But believe them or not, before people actually think about going to a counselor or before people end up, frankly, in urgent care for really being, you know, run down with a third code in a month, there are things that they actually can do. And my advice may be a little bit idiosyncratic, if not done weird, but this is something I actually have known ever since I came to MIT, and MIT had made me an expert of in this in aspect, for better or for worse. What I'm referring to here is adequate sleep. And you won't believe how little people know about what sleep can do for you and what sleep deprivation can take away from you. Um, the basic sense is, you know, people used to say, I've seen the changes in attitude I'm very pleased to. People used to say, I sleep and I'm dead. And I would mumble under my breath and say, you will be dead if you don't sleep which is actually true. But think about what MIT students have to do. This is where, this is place with high, very intense intellectual, academic, cognitive demand. You simply have to use your brain. And if you're sleep deprived, it's a little bit like half of your cells are locked behind a vault you don't have access to. Now, if you cannot do your academic work and you are here as MIT student, I don't think anybody needs me to tell you what happens? How are you going to feel about this? So often people would say, oh, my God, maybe I'm not, I'm not smart enough for MIT. And I say, no, you're just, you just haven't slept enough for MIT. Now, what is enough? People think, you know, the student would say, oh, I sleep a lot. And I've learned to ask how much is your lot? And they say six hours a day. That's moderate sleep deprivation. Now, when you're sleep deprived, regardless if you have academic demand or not, it is a sure road to anxiety and depression. This is what we do. You look at the new mothers. One of the reasons is because they're so sleep deprived. Their sleep is so fragmented. So it's almost like when people get stressed out, what the first thing they need to look at is 
Are they sleeping adequately? Adequately is at least seven and a half to nine hours. Now, I know that makes me sound absolutely deranged. Who's getting this kind of sleep? Well, guess what? A lot of people are stressed out. I actually place sleep before exercise and eating. I'm not saying exercise is not good. I'm not saying eating is not essential. But if you are moderately to severely sleep deprived, exercise is not going to give you the kind of cognitive efficiency your sleep deprivation has taken away from you. Not to mention when you're sleep deprived, your immune system is going to be compromised. Now, you're going to constantly get sick as well. Guess what? That's going to make you miss classes. And also in terms of stress level, people often when they're exhausted, they say, I can't think straight. They're also that much more irritable and things feel that much more impossible. Sometimes people just burst out in, burst into tears because they're so exhausted, things feel overwhelming. I cannot tell you. I'm sure a lot of people have this experience. They feel so overwhelmed. They feel so depressed. They feel so helpless. They feel like they want to drop out. Okay, never mind. I'm going to bed. And they wake up the following morning and say, well, guess what? This doesn't feel that bad. What happened? Well, you got some sleep. So that's one of the most important things people should check in. Of course, if you're stressed out, your sleep will also be really disrupted. So learn some ways to how to have good sleep. Plenty of things you can Google. Our wellness center provides plenty of tips as well. So I have to say that's the first thing I I want to look out for. What a great description of how important sleep is, because it is so important. And as you say, it increases our likelihood of getting sick and crying tears. We've all been there. Thank you for that. What else besides sleep, when you talk about exercise, things like yoga, meditation, are there any foods we can be eating that can help reduce our stress levels? There are plenty of things people can do. You mentioned yoga and and meditation. Those are all wonderful ways. But a lot of times, really in terms of, you know, the stress management, what I want to encourage people to think about is how to incorporate this into your everyday function because the reality is when you're at MIT, you're very busy. Um, so, you know, eating right definitely will be helpful. You know, people often ask me, say, you know, what happened to me? You know, I always have this between, you know, my one o'clock class, I can never stay awake and I just can't function, can't think straight. Well, guess what? That's actually the, you know, the, the natural first dip in your circadian rhythm. Taking a break, taking a walk or shot eye for 10 minutes can be very, very helpful. And, you know, spending time with people will be very helpful. Taking yoga classes with your friends will be very helpful. Taking Zumba classes or just exercise together. Whenever I encourage people to exercise, I always ask them, say, do you think you can find friends to run with you? Because the benefit you get from that is even more than just running on your own. I made an acronym of stress management. I call that SIPS. It's like a sips of water. So it's S-I-P-S. First S, I'm sure you know, means sleep. And I means interaction, which is socialization. And a P means what? means physical. Physical here doesn't actually mean exercise per se. It'd be great if you can work out, but a lot of times we don't have time to. But have you ever noticed in the office, you know, in order for you to get that thing that come out of the printer, you don't get up. You wheel your chairs over. 
What if you just get off your chair, actually physically move over there? The kind of you know things we do these days reduce the so much of our mobility. Take a long way to to your class, or you know I would ask people say instead of you kind of leisurely walk over with your friends, how about you walk over really fast as if you're late for important appointment. Because this actually, when you pant a little, sweat a little, your heart rate goes up enough, you actually can get a little bit of cardiovascular benefit from this brisk walk. Imagine if you do this every day, you have something in there as well. The last S stands for separation, meaning putting some distance between you and everything else around you. MIT should not be the N-O-B-O for you. I know that's very difficult to do. But how about making friends from other schools, go, getting off campus and doing other things as well, making connections with other things and other people, volunteer, and do things that's not just about your pieces and your grades. That's sort of, I think these are the kind of things that it's entirely possible to do. But most of all, I think it would be really helpful for people to remember that being stressed is not a sign of weakness. And help-seeking is something that should have built in within us that we should not dismiss as a sign of, of, of weakness. And, you know, really help-seeking can improve the chance of success and a survival. So true. Dr. Shi. what a great educator you are. What services are available to MIT students in general and to Asian students specifically to help combat stress? Plenty. Um, a lot of, you know, really just learning the basic stress management and wellness tips. And we have a wonderful, wonderful community wellness center. You can schedule individual appointments with them and you can have, you know, discussion with them. You can take group, group classes with them. You can also actually get an acupuncture there now and plenty of students find it, you know, plenty of people find it very, very helpful. And just, you know, when you do have um, you do have a pretty significant stress and you feel like by, by self-helping, it has not improved adequately. It would be most helpful for you to make an appointment to come to see us and just have a chat and see, you know, what's going on, what some of the things you can do, what some of the things we can do to help you to sort this out. You can call and ask to be seen urgently. If it feels very urgent, you don't wait and usually you can be seen the same day. You can call to make appointment as well. And our service is very diverse. Truly, you know, from we have many people from many different backgrounds and a few of us are from Asian backgrounds as well. And two of our provi- providers who are Asian women currently running an Asian women's group and specifically trying to help people uh, you know, with this particular understanding about Asian cultures and how we understand each other, you know, our goals and the ways to pursue them and so on and so forth, they can be very, very helpful. If you have to give your best advice, one last piece of advice, and what a great informative segment, Dr. Shi, give your best advice to MIT students about dealing with that stress, the cultural differences in the way that we all deal with stress, what you want them to know about MIT Medical Health and Wellness Counseling? I'd say feeling stress is normal, and you should really pay attention to that, and you're not to dismiss as a sign of weakness, but sign of needing some care. And if you do, there's 
plenty of things you can do. You can come to us, and if you want to look up doing things on your own first or talk to your peers for support, that'd be great as well. But we are here to really take care of the student and work with them from both the biological, the psychological, and the social aspect of the experiences. I promise we don't just treat people and say, you know, five minutes and here's your antidepressant. No, that will never happen. We're really here to help a student as a whole person, as a human being, not just one aspect of the experience. What great information. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us these great ways of dealing with the stress that we all face. Listeners can visit health.mit.edu for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. That concludes this episode of Conversations with MIT Health. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other MIT Health podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.